You're listening to the Nomcast, a proud member of Forgotten Entertainment. Well, hello, my ghouls and goblins. I know you've got your costumes picked out for the frightful festivities. And I hope you all get more treats than tricks. Halloween is upon us! Welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomcastPod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can find us on the web at NomcastPod.com. All right, this episode, I'm looking forward to this. This should be very fun. We have Shane Beauregard of the movie and TV podcast Media Mosh back with us again today. Thanks for being here, Shane. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And it's good to be called up to the big leagues once in a while. So I, I enjoy being on a very professionally run podcast. It's great. I'm ready to have some fun. Oh, man. It's always great to have you here. Uh, I, I, I always feel ashamed to have you on here because you may think I'm big leaguing it or whatever, but absolutely not because you're the man who ends up usually beating me to the punch of how many movies on Netflix that you've actually watched. So kudos to you sir i come to you to be my pro for the day uh basically i asked you here uh to come on because i wanted to talk some horror and some halloween films uh, as we turn the calendar over to october netflix basically has a it has an interesting slate of original films uh, that fall into those categories you and i talked off air about uh netflix slate this time last year like they had the whole like kind of netflix and chills thing that went everywhere and how we also talked about how this year seems to be quite different but last year also seemed to be more of a commitment to horror and thrillers and all that during this time of year than in years past Uh, so i kind of wanted to go over that a little bit with you okay i'm gonna walk everybody down memory lane for netflix okay so they've obviously you know started releasing original films in october of 2015 shout out to beasts of no nation the number one uh, release and only, basically <laughs> of Netflix uh, of all time. But basically, so yeah, they only released that in October. So they didn't release any genre films that year. Then in 2016, they released their first horror movie, I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, uh, which got <laughs> incredibly polarizing uh, reviews uh, right out the box for them. So I don't know if that made them gun shy going forward, but that was their only horror movie that year and then uh 2017 they released three movies uh that we've already covered on this podcast gerald's game the babysitter and 1922 in 2018 they only released apostle in october which we also covered on this podcast uh and then they weirdly waited until mid-november to release cam which we did on this podcast uh which was that blumhouse produced psychological horror film uh, that took some big swings, uh, but, you know, it was it was okay um, as far as it goes. But last year, they seemed to have a renewed kind of emphasis on the horror uh, by releasing three original films in October and also a couple of 
horror thriller types like The Perfection and Velvet Buzzsaw sprinkled throughout the year. So now before we get into this year's slate uh, and what it looks like, Shane, what do you make of Netflix's relationship with horror movies after I laid all that out for you? You watch plenty of horror yourself uh, and cover Netflix extensively on Media Mosh, so I'm curious what you say here. I, I first grew up a huge horror fan, so I usually gravitate towards those kind of films anyway. So I, like you've mentioned, I've seen most of the movies you have mentioned before. Uh, but like you said, last year was the first, I think, conservative effort they had to make October a thing with them, with all the releases. And for the most part, yeah, most of them aren't great films. <laughs> Let's get that <laughs> out of the way. Right. But I grew up on shows like Tales from the Crypt, things of the creep show, that things of that nature. So some of those movies were reminiscent in some of those, some of those episodes. I would say that kind of quality, but they do miss more than they actually hit with these horror films. But I always find them on some level kind of enjoyable. I, I usually watch most of them. I remember last sure. year, the one, the one that really stuck on my head as being really bad, and like really bad, was that um, Sam Worthington movie, uh, Fractured. Didn't they release oh, that? Oh, yes. Yeah, that was part of that. Yeah, so that's more of a thriller. I didn't end up watching that. But, yeah, it definitely uh, – that was a weird thing that kind of took over Twitter for a while. Like, this is a bugged-out movie. <laughs> No, yeah, it was bad. It was yeah. really bad. But for the most part, I could sit back and enjoy those movies. Because again, it was USA Up All Night. It was every October I watched those sure. can't be B horror films. So sure, I don't come down on them too hard. Right, and and also last year, one of the originals that they released, uh, Rattlesnake, was also terrible. Yes, it it was bad, uh, but it did again remind me of like an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Yes, to an totally. Extent. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely not going to get quality, but for some, they do when they get into genre and and tropey genre, they still can pull out some good ones, and we'll recommend some of those uh, when we do our recommendations at the end of this episode. But man, <laughs> they have some swings and misses uh, in here. I, I'm also curious because uh, in the past we've talked about, and you've been on previous episodes where you know. They have a guy like Mike Flanagan who's made multiple films for them. Uh, they they hooked up with Blumhouse for Cam. I don't know how they haven't made more horror movies and or more quality horror films. I mean, because the budgets on those are generally low. They have all the money in the world. I don't know, and especially if they're getting into international markets where horror movies usually play well, I don't know why they don't make more. Do you have any lock on that? Oh, that's a great question because I always tout Bloomhouse as being one of the best movie producing companies right now because most of their budgets, like you said, are three to five million. Like Halloween, I think, topped out at 10. But their returns on investment are just insane with these movies. Yeah. Usually, especially internationally. Right. And they got their hooks into Mike Flanagan, who I adore. And I think all his movies are probably the best horror movies on Netflix as we speak. That's probably true. So why they can't get that kind of talent into Netflix more often is is a great question. I wish they could. I wish they would. So I don't really have an answer for you either, to be honest with you. Besides Flanagan, is there a director that if you can like handpick like this guy is like the horror director I would love to see? make a film on netflix do you have one off 
off the top oh, of your head. I know uh, I'm putting you on the spot you're putting here. Putting me on the spot here. <laughs> oh man. Um uh, put a pin in that and if I if I okay. could think of one, I'll do a hand signal or something yeah. to you. Because I mean to me, when I think of horror, I mean Flanagan definitely is part of the top of the list uh as far as that type of person i mean i don't think an ari aster who makes like very crazy you know uh psychologically i mean the man's insane and he's dark and he's weird uh you know so that kind of guy maybe right um, i am not not thinking off subject but uh i i like his style of directing and i like his storytelling i just don't end up don't like in his movies right no, and I, I hear that from different people. That's exactly uh, – he's he's polarizing, I guess, to go back to a phrase that I was saying before. He definitely is because some people are like, this man's a genius. This is the best scary crap that I've seen in a while. And then some people are like, what is happening here? This is boring. Uh, these people are just weird. I don't know what's going on. So I've heard both – sides of the coin but you know i wonder if they can pry him but I, as some of these guys are so committed and sh- quite rightly like they want to see their movies on the big screen you know they they think horror maybe needs that audience reaction that they want to get so and if they play well in cinema you know like you're gonna get them the money you right know? but now i don't know if you know come the upcoming year i'd be very interested to see if they start acquiring a bunch of new film a uh, new horror films or if they're going to start producing that uh, a lot of places are back up and running i wonder if that might be something that they can aim for because they're cost effective and something that they can acquire probably easily or at least overspend maybe to acquire yeah i agree with that so but for this year, uh, they have a bunch of things on the slate, but it's definitely different. Like in the past, they've done Stephen King adaptations or Flanagan movies or like I was saying, the Blumhouse thing or maybe something with bigger names. This year is a little bit different, especially as far as the horror aspect goes, because, I mean, they have like a lot of these are international films uh, or things that they acquired uh, from like festivals and stuff. It's not things where they're like out and out producing uh so we'll go through a couple of them some of these are just straight up like halloween movies and then some of them are horror movies so i figure we can start at the top uh the first release they have a movie that i've actually watched uh vampires versus the bronx the uh the uh, embargo is still on on that so i can't talk about it openly in detail but um, it's definitely the the trailer just came out recently. I know you've watched it. Uh, it's brought to you by uh, you know Broadway Video, aka Warren Michaels. It's got the SNL connection because it is co-written and directed by Oz Rodriguez, uh, who is a director for SNL. So you know this is his directorial debut or feature length directorial debut. So and it's got a bunch of people who are connected either by snl or by just he he wanted to make this a very kind of dominican bronx movie so uh, you know it definitely will the people that i'll list will definitely bring that out so it's got snl's chris red uh it's got uh the kid miro of Jesus and Mero. you got method man in here playing a priest 
Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, the thing that they keep saying, and I wish they actually said it in the movie, but they don't, or the trailer, is uh, protect your neck because it is vampires all up in the Bronx. Uh, and then there's a few people uh, like Sarah Gadden here uh, from True Detective Season 3 and Letterkenny. There's a bunch of different people here. Uh, the premise is a group of young friends from the Bronx fight to save their neighborhood from gentrification and also vampires. So obviously tongue is firmly in the cheek on this one. Uh, and it looks like a lot of fun in the trailer. And I was happy to watch it. What did you think about it? No, like you said, to piggyback off of you, I like the trailer. It kind of reminded me of attack the block with John Biorga. Absolutely. Kind, kind of with a little bit of vampire and Brooklyn vibe to it. So yep. <laughs> It sure. just looked a lot of fun, and I'm ready for it. In fact, I wrote that down as the movie I'm looking most forward to out of the movies you are going to talk about. Oh, interesting. I, I also had, uh, when I saw the trailer anyway, before I saw the film, definitely I definitely got the Attack the Block thing, and also Tales from the Hood uh, a little bit too, but not as cheeky. Um, one of the nice things I did like about the, the trailer and like that it's just kind of an adventure film. Uh, you know, it's definitely, you know, kind of a, you know, again, Attack the Block was that, but sci-fi, right? So right. you get this kind of like, you know, kids up against the world, but you hope that it kind of treats it on an adult level versus like making it, there are so many, like Rim of the World is a great example, that McGee movie that came out last year of using kids to try to fight a bigger thing, but having it be brutally awful. Like, just so bad and so overplayed with terrible jokes and just over-the-top characters and, you know, lowbrow humor, all that stuff. I hoped from the trailer that it didn't have that, and I don't want to get, like I said, too far into it because of the embargo. But I will say that I hope people are pleasantly surprised by this one, uh, that it's, it's not as lowbrow as you would hope. So I hope people check that one out. Uh, a lot of bigger names, you know, maybe than some people, people that might be familiar with them that comes out this Friday, uh, 10 two. Uh, so please check that out. Uh, and you know, you could drop us a line and let you know what we thought about it. Cause I've, I've seen it and I'm curious to know Shane's thoughts after he gets to see it. So that will be awesome. The next one on the list is something that is, <laughs> I can't wait to watch this movie. I, this is probably my most anticipated one to watch, but for all the wrong reasons, because we've had many Adam Sandler conversations, you and I, we've talked about modern comedy, you know, studio comedies in general, all that. This one has an extra bit of mustard on it because after Uncut Gems came out, Adam Sandler had said, if I don't get recognized for the actor, my acting abilities in Uncut Gems with awards, I am going to make the worst Adam Sandler comedy. <laughs> and he, uh, I don't know if he pulled it off, but this trailer is long. Uh, so I don't know what they're trying to to pull off with that. I don't know why they needed to show every single person in this cast uh, in the trailer. Uh, but yeah, man, it is, it is the old Adam Sandler routine of having every one of his friends. Uh, it's directed by Stephen Brill, who's directed little Nikki, Mr. Deeds, the do-over Sandy Wexler. So some of the 
the lower quality uh, <laughs> versions of that. Uh, it's also written by Tim Herlihy, who, you know, has written some of the better Adam Sandler films. So it's a mixed bag. I don't know what to do with this because uh, he wrote Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Wedding Singer, all the classics. And he also did Ridiculous Six uh, as well for Netflix. So what did you think when you saw this here? I mean, it's it's a it's a straight Halloween movie versus uh, like a horror, but they have some horror mixed in, or at least implied horror with this. What did you think? I initially shook my head when I watched this trailer. Um, <laughs> I will go on record saying I don't think it's going to be as bad as Ridiculous Six because to me that took me ten times to get through that movie. The do over I think is worse. Oh, see, I slightly disagree with you there, but anyway, according <laughs> to this movie here. I trashed the trailer, but I went on record saying I'm going to watch it because I watch all his movies. Of course. And I may be pleasantly surprised, but my right. bar is set like on the ground. I'm stepping on it now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And my biggest gripe was why the voice? Just why the voice? Like when he does 100%. voices, I was like, no. If he would have talked semi-normal, like normal, I would have been, yes. okay, I, good kid's family. I'll watch it. Totally. But that voice just killed me i was like i yep. just kept shaking my head i'm like i can't i can't but i will i can't but that I is <laughs> half half of the later stage adam sandler movies i think i have that every time like if he just played this straight which i know he can then like not straight like humorless but i mean just not with that accent his voice if he just did it that way that why does he always have that buffoon voice that just has to come out every time that almost sounds the same every single time. Uh, I don't understand it, but uh, for anyone who hasn't seen the trailer, I definitely say to seek it out. Uh, it is uh, a movie about Hubie Dubois, uh, despite his devotion to his hometown of Salem and its Halloween celebration. Hubie Dubois is a figure of mockery for kids and adults alike, but this year something is going bump in the night and it's up to Hubie to save Halloween. Uh, this is a Happy Madison production, uh, just like that big overall deal that Sandler has with Netflix, uh, with Happy Madison. Uh, this is the first time Sandler and Julie Bowen are together since Happy Gilmore. So I'll at least take that. She looks great, hasn't aged a day. I know she's made uh, a pretty good dent in TV uh, and had a pretty good career for herself outside of that. But man, uh, <laughs> every single person you can possibly imagine is in this movie. Uh, I'll just run through some of the names because uh, weirdly enough, I'm saying some, okay? I'm about to list off a stack of people. <laughs> this is some. Uh, so obviously Sandler, Maya Rudolph, uh, you know, got a bunch of SNL people here. Maya Rudolph, uh, Keenan Thompson, Tim Meadows, Kevin James is here. Obviously, he's a, a longstanding uh, Sandler person at this point. Julie Bowen, as we mentioned, Ray Liotta, Steve Buscemi, George Wallace, Michael Chiklis, Rob Schneider, of course, Colin Quinn, Shaq is here, uh, Melissa Villasenor, and Ben Stiller is way, way down on the bottom of the cast list. So if you miss that, he's not in the trailer. Um, and neither, I think Shaq is for a brief minute. So he is. you see most of the people I just mentioned, but I will tell you, I didn't write everybody down. 
there is still more named people to come. And like I said, Ben Stiller was like the last one I saw at the bottom of the credits, uh, that like 20 something people deep. And most of them are people you've heard of. Is there anyone you're looking forward to seeing out of that group? Um, actually, you mentioned Julie Bowen. Uh, ever since Happy Gilmore, yeah, she, I, I've been a big fan of Julie Bowen. And she does look fantastic. So I'm yep. looking forward to her. And now that you mentioned Ben Stiller, because I didn't know he was in the movie. And I'm sure if you blink, we're going to miss him. So <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to see if I can spot him in the movie. Because I'm sure he's going to have a weird cameo, oh, yeah. maybe in disguise or something. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm interested to see whether, you know, he does kind of a, a reprise of an old role or whether he's going to do some kind of version like that to kind of throw it back old school with that. Um, so who knows, you know, maybe that goes back to Happy Gilmore too, you know, uh, we don't know. Because uh, right. that's the last time we saw a Stiller in a, in a Sailor movie, right? Correct. Yep, that is it. So yep. I didn't remember him in anything else. So again, could be you know nothing it could be some surprise role at the end maybe he's the mayor of this town for all i know it could be anything so i'm looking forward to that as well um so yeah this is going to be a weirdo movie uh we'll definitely cover it. in fact we're talking about this yeah i like to know your opinion we're talking about a netflix watch party for this would you be down oh absolutely to, uh, to Let's something do it. like that yeah. yes because uh if any kind of movie good or bad Sandler is always at interest. Like you said, everybody wants to watch it because either you're going to hate watch it or you're going to nostalgia watch it, or maybe you're just going to enjoy it. And I hope for the latter, but man, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Again, Uncut Gems. I love that movie. He was so good. Uh, And he does this where he teases you where he's like, Oh, this guy can act. He's tremendous. And then, uh, yeah, then he goes back to the well uh, and just, uh, we'll see, mixed results. Uh, but so moving on, that movie, like I said, comes out uh, 10-7. So it's a midweek release, uh, but we're thinking about trying to do a Netflix party for the 9th, the Friday after it comes out. So we'll see uh, if that comes out. We'll definitely give you the information on here and on our social media. So stay tuned for that. Uh, the next movie and the next couple will uh, you'll see that they kind of all have this this theme, like we were saying, with how they're going to turn the horror up in this month. Uh, on the 22nd of October, Cadaver uh, is coming out. This is a Norwegian horror movie uh, that actually has a trailer out for that one. I definitely recommend people watch it. It is bizarre. Uh, the, the, it has creepy masks. Uh, it's in a creepy hotel, old hotel. Like it is all the earmarks of this kind of just, you know, gross you out, make you feel uncomfortable horror film. Uh, the, the synopsis on that one is in the starving aftermath of a nuclear disaster, a family of three attends a charitable event at a hotel, which takes a dark turn when people start to disappear. Love the idea. This trailer freaked me out. I, as far as like the, the horror stuff, I think this looks creepy and right up my alley. What do you think, Shane? Uh, same, same thing. It, the, as soon as they put the masks on, I'm like, okay, all right. And then the atmosphere of the hotel, it's a very old fashioned kind of hotel. Sure. It just, yeah. It just had that atmospheric vibe where I'm like, I think I'm going to really like this movie. Like it's going to be disturbing in parts. I can tell already, but it's, it grabbed my attention just with how just off putting and eerie this trailer was. 
Oh yeah. I mean, it's got vibes of just like, it's like, it's not an eyes wide shut sex party, but it's got that cult vibe. Uh, you know, it's got the, you know, especially they're taking advantage of the poor and you never know what they're, what the purpose of using these people for, whether it's for sacrifice or anything else. The, the, the trailer was good at being at least vi- uh, uh, vague. Right. We can uh, say it's not going to be good. Whatever they use them for is not going to be good. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say uh, the Nor- Norwegian horror films i'm not really up on so i don't know if they get down like if like say for instance if this was like a german horror film or even a a swedish horror film uh those things are dark generally dark where like it's gonna get real bad real fast so but norwegian i don't have as much of a grasp on so i'm interested to see how they get down I'm going to suspect it's the same way the Swedish horror films get down. Any, any horror films in Europe, I just, I go, my head goes that way. I'm like, okay, we're in for some really funky stuff here. Yeah, considering uh, I think the, the image that I have <laughs> that I put on the, uh, the flyer for social media for this episode to come out, the, uh, the image was a man in like a tuxedo suit uh, next to a meat hook interrogating somebody. It's going to get nasty. <laughs> right. So Definitely, uh, I would suggest anyone who hadn't seen the trailer for that to check that one out because, uh, woof, uh, it's going to get rough. Uh, so that, like I said, comes out on the 22nd of October. Uh, so I'll look forward to that one. Uh, the next movie they have is a movie called Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight. Uh, this is a more standard, straightforward slasher film out of Poland. Uh, which again, you know, any like you said, another European, but even more in that dark Eastern block uh, that really gets nasty at times. This one seems to be a little more cheeky uh, in terms of what it appears. It, it, I saw part of the footage as part of the, uh, the Netflix compilation that was online of what's coming out for October with some of the, the bits and pieces of some of the films that haven't been released yet. Uh, the, uh, the, the synopsis on this one is a, a group of technology addicted teens go to a rehabilitation camp in the forest where a sinister force intends to take them offline forever. So, like I said, I saw a little bit, uh, of the, the clips of this one. It looks more like a straightforward slasher, like slasher in the woods, slasher at camp type flick, which I grew up on. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I don't know if you're the same Shane, I believe you are. Uh, so what do you think about the plot for this one? Actually, it's funny you mention it because without seeing the trailer, I admit, and I read your synopsis, I wrote that down as my second movie I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah. Uh, cause I grew up a slasher fan and it's set in Europe, like you said, and it has just by the synopsis reminds me of a movie called severance. I don't mm. know if you saw that it's about a group of office workers who are supposed to do this, uh, group bonding event out in the woods and all of a sudden it becomes a, a survival of the fittest yeah where they're, get, where they're getting picked off one by one but it's very gory but yet very humorous at the same time right with the interactions between the co-workers right so i kind of got that vibe off this synopsis maybe if it's gonna be that same tongue-in-cheek but yet gory slasher kind of-esque movie right so i wrote that down as my second i'm looking forward to that second nice. most same. Like I said, I, I grew up on a lot of that. I don't think I saw Severance. Is that newer? No, it's probably about six to eight years old right now. Okay. 
Yeah. Yep. So yeah, when I say newer, like, cause this, uh, you know, like the camp horror slasher genre was peak when I was, you know, 10. So, right. you know, I'm, not, I'm talking, you know, eighties, uh, I'm talking, you know, early nineties, early to mid nineties. So those, they were littered with those and probably haven't seen a ton of them in the two thousands. So for you to even have a more modern example in the last 10 years blows my mind. Um, or at least maybe, you know, I've lost touch, which is fair uh, in terms of horror, uh, because, you know, once you get into, I know you have young children as well, uh, that, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to prioritize your movie watching. And a lot of times I can't get away with, uh, you know, something too gory because not only will the kids not be able to watch it, but the wife doesn't want to watch it either. So, you know, depending on the night, you know, I have to be that creep in my basement watching something uh, where, you know, teenagers are getting slashed to pieces. So, you know, every now and then I do it. Uh, and obviously prepping for this episode, I watched a bunch of uh, horror films. So, you know, interesting times these days <laughs> and also interesting to watch during quarantine because, you know, I don't know if you, cause you watched a bunch of horror movies uh, for this as well. Did it do anything for you? Does it like give you a sense of like, ah, well, somebody else is having a worse day than me. <laughs> oh, a- oh, absolutely. Or I'm like, okay, this is becoming more reality than uh, <laughs> watching this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I, listen, like I'll be I'll be loving this genre all month long. So I look forward to that. Uh, this one, uh, nobody sleeps in the woods tonight, comes out October twenty eighth, and the next film is something that Netflix acquired. I heard of this film uh, back in January when it was released at Sundance. This was a movie that uh, did really well there. Got a lot of good buzz. It's a British horror film from BBC Films called His House. Uh, This will be released on October 30th. So right there, the Friday night before Halloween. Um, This is the first feature film from writer-director Remy Weeks. Uh, The story is a refugee couple makes a harrowing escape from war-torn South Sudan, but then they struggle to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface. And that last sentence is very kind of tongue in cheek from the person who wrote it because the production stills that I saw from this had people literally coming through the floorboards, trying to tear people down. So uh, whether this is, you know, psychological or literal or you know or these are ghosts or whatever i have no idea there is no trailer available for this one yet but um this looks like it could be another insane takeover kind of like like a feeling like like a 1408 or like those movies where it's like in such a small confined area that you just can't escape from not these like giant mansions or anything where people get to run around from room to room and floor to floor. I like this claustrophobic thought that this might have. So I know there's very limited info on this and maybe I'm bringing to you uh, for the first time besides our notes, Shane. Um, but now that you've seen kind of what's there, does anything stick out for you or anything uh, whet your appetite? Uh, you did with your last couple sentences there about being in a smaller house and yeah. not being able to get away. Uh, I forget the name of the movie last year uh, where it was the blind man where the kids tried to rob him. And- oh, I don't know if I saw that one. Oh, it's a great movie, and I'm totally blanking on the general. He was in Avatar. Uh, God, what's his name? Sam Worthington? No, the oh, bad the, guy. Oh, the bad guy. Yeah. yeah. 
he played yeah he played an old blind guy in, in the inner city and these kids thought he'd be an easy target to to rob and hmm. they were wrong his because his house is like set up for that and it's a small inner city house and like oh, you're trapped in, yeah you're trapped in that house the entire time so you got me on that one i like that kind of close-knit claustrophobic type of settings yeah. And like I said, I mentioned 1408 for a reason. I really liked 1408 when it came out. And that's a movie that I'm glad I saw in the theaters. No disrespect to Netflix, of course. But like, and if you have a good home setup, you can make it rock too. But I felt like so immersed in the terror of being in that room uh, and not being able to leave in that hotel room. My God, did it grip me. Uh, yeah, was that was there. a good one. Yep. Uh, so hopefully this is uh, similar that, you know, it's just a, you know, a small house in an English town that, you know, just can go to pieces on people. So I'm looking forward to that too. Uh, like I said, good buzz out of Sundance uh, for the acquisition there. Also for Doctor Who fans, Matt Smith, one of uh, the more recent doctors is also in a part of this movie as well. So uh, if you're into that, that's cool too. He is here. Uh, another movie on here I don't know enough about, but I do find something interesting um, about this. So the movie is called The Day of the Lord, uh, which also comes out on October 30th. It's When they say it's also written as Menendez Part 1, The Day of the Lord. So they already have their eye on potentially having more than one movie here. So I'm hoping that means this is going to be good. It's kind of like a religious horror film that follows a retired priest who suffers a crisis of faith and then takes a chance for redemption. I don't know what any of this means, but they put it as far uh, in that compilation uh, for the Netflix kind of horror genre stuff that they're coming out with in October. So I put it here, even though I don't know much besides the fact that it is a Mexican horror film, um, like I said, about a retired priest. And it stars Dolores Heredia from Get the Gringo and Vantage Point. Um, have you seen a lot of like Spanish horror films or anything come out of Mexico? Anything to point to with, like I was saying, how regionally, how messed up, the european ones are spanish i don't have too much of a lock besides they usually dip into the religion right it's funny i watched the netflix show el diablo mm. uh which had two seasons and it was a campy uh because they were like demon hunters so it was a very religious show like right. you just said so yeah. i guess that's in the culture but it was part like buffy the vampire slayer slash part supernatural right it kind of had that cheese factor, but it was a good time. But yet, it, there was a lot of good horror parts in it. Sure. It was just a fun series to watch. It really reminded me of Supernatural. That's like the only exposure I have to a actually Mexican-produced show or, or movie that I could come right. off at the top of my head. Yeah. So like I said, very little information. Uh, it was listed in what's coming out. Don't have a lot of information, so I'm not going to belabor this. Uh, it's co-written and directed by Santiago Alvarado, uh, and we'll see if they're going to have multiple parts. But, yeah, so that one should be interesting. If you watch that compilation trailer, you get a bit of a sense. A lot of people, like, tied up and screaming, so, you know, <laughs> with uh, crucifixes in the background. So, you know, it, it could get wacky with that one, uh, get real bizarre, get real heady. Uh, so, We'll check that one out for sure. But what I want to say now that we kind of went through all of them, like I know you were saying which ones you were up for, but man, there is not one English language slasher 
or you know horror film here with any kind of name attached does that surprise you at all actually now you mentioned it does surprise me some that there's yeah you're right there's none of that so i am a bit surprised yeah i mean foreign entries into this yeah i mean like we said no flanagan no blumhouse no stephen king adaptation no film even like apostle you know which i think is like you were saying like flanagan might have the best of the best apostle is right up there with those uh for me um you know and like i said not even a, a film like you know the perfection which had you know some star power to it yeah nobody standing out here they more leaned into you know international acquisitions i don't think they had a lot planned or maybe the pandemic knocked some of these short but i i didn't hear anything like that so i'm very interested in if they have kind of an explanation going forward with what happened here yeah i think you make a good point the pandemic i think that shut a lot of stuff down so maybe they had to look elsewhere and you know like you said acquire movies that may have already been in the can yeah and they're bringing the light and we're hoping like you said i hope a lot of these actually you know catch fire and we get more out of these directors and writers that we don't know about sure so and i and i don't uh poo poo on the international fair i mean you'll You'll see very soon when we have our picks that I, I definitely dove into that to uh, try to try to see what's going on, especially in 2020. I mean, we're, we're limited in terms of what we can get here. So streaming is where it's at. And I probably watched a lot more subtitles in this year alone <laughs> uh, just to try to, to get the goods out. I mean, because there's a lot of good stuff. Netflix has a lot of good foreign language films. Uh, and, and I've been trying to dip more into that. So definitely i will i will watch you know we have like you said mexican here we have polish here we have norwegian i am going on a road trip shane yeah i'm ready to october long so uh we will take care of that but what i wanted to do for everybody because again there's only limited information as to what is actually coming out in october so we wanted to put that out up first but for something to take for the rest of the month here, something for people that is already out already on Netflix and we haven't covered on this podcast. So it narrows it down. I do understand that I gave you a tough assignment here, Shane, but we have three movies that you and I kind of put together here. One that was specifically yours that I hadn't seen before we got in here. Uh, I figure we can run through. We have three recommendations for people to watch uh, during October, if you're not into what we just laid out for you, or maybe you're just craving more and more, uh, Netflix does have some pretty good horror films that you can check out uh, right here. The first one that we're going to talk about is Shane's pick, so I will give him the floor. But basically, uh, it's this film, Ravenous, which already kind of like I went, excuse me, Netflix? Uh, I'm pretty sure there's already a Ravenous, uh, and I was curious to know whether it was a remake or anything else because I am old. Uh, so, you know, 1999's Ravenous is a very good movie. So I'm shocked, actually, because the movie is technically called The Ravenous, if you take the French title. So we're already in subtitle territory here um, because this is a Canadian film on the French side uh, and a small town zombie movie. So, Shane, tell the people why you chose this one and why they should watch it. Yeah, why I chose uh, Les FM, let's get that right. Okay? That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, I am a hit or miss on the zombie genre, right? Fair. And I've heard really good things about this movie. came out in 2017, didn't, never had a theatrical release in the United States, so it was just Canada and some of Europe. Right. So 
based on just reviews, I was like, let me give this a shot. It's only like 96 minutes long. And it, I found it to be the best parts of early Walking Dead. I agree. That's the main thing that I thought of when I was watching it. Right. It's a very uh, character study. Now, I didn't get the entire film. And again, we're not talking spoilers. But there's no plot. We just get introduced to certain characters that end up together probably about halfway through the movie, and they have to make a decision on what they want to do. But what I liked, really liked about this film is the atmosphere, the tension, just the the use of sound because it's very quiet in certain parts. And then you really concentrate like on this uh, branches breaking or the slightest mousetrap going off, and you're just like, okay, what's going to – what's happening? Right. Um, the use of the zombies, I really liked. They, they're not your typical zombies. Now, I'd be screwed because they're the running zombies, which, yeah. you know, you know you, they're not the slow-moving, you know, yeah. walking dead zombies. And they're so, sneaky, too. They're very stealthy. They're fast. Um, and they communicate with each other somehow. Like, when they see somebody, they unleash this really eerie cry. Yeah. And it's like, hey, food's here. Banshees. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's get them. So they work, they're like working together, which you don't really get to see a lot with, uh, within the zombie genre. Sure. Um, I thought some of the use of the camera angles with the kills with the zombies are really good. I liked how they used uh, natural light, especially like that the fog rolling in. Yeah. Was, was really good. So I really liked the direction of the film, the atmosphere of the score. I had no issue with the pacing because let me Not just me neither. Uh, there's a couple scenes that are like obviously action or more fast paced, but throughout this film, it's a more slower paced film. Yeah. Um, and I did like how they just spent time on the different characters that eventually meet up together. And I'm not going to turn up, pronounce their names. <laughs> we <can probably> talk <laughs> Out about of that. respect. <laughs> right. I would say yeah. the main character, Bonin, he reminded me of a French James McAvoy from Split. I hear you. He had okay. that vibe to him. Sure. Uh, right. Um, I like my favorite character was Celine, who was uh, wielding the machete. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I thought it was very cool. And I, you gotta <laughs> love a woman in a power suit wielding a machete. Like, had the pearls. Like, yes. just basically stepped out of where she, you know, had to deal with the zombies the first time. Never changed. Never had the chance to change. And just has that figure going forward. It's interesting. Right, absolutely. And going back to how smart the zombies were, the opening scene, like, they're able just to set people up. Yeah. And, I mean, it was different for me. There were some wonky things. I'm not going to talk into it, but there's a character named Demers mm-hmm. uh, that pops up three times throughout the movie. <laughs> yes, and I literally. Just kept, I just kept thinking, how the hell is he still walking around here? You know. I know, yeah. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, when people watch it, uh, they'll I'll probably have the same. I had the same thought, so I'd be interested right. to see if people have the same thought too. And uh, the uh, the race car driver, uh, it's not really a spoiler, but that seemed odd and out of place to me. Even yes, the movie begins on a racetrack. I just found true. that very yeah. odd at the end. And again, I'm hesitating here because it's not a spoiler, but the, <laughs> yes. the, the zombies. I'm just going to say stacking chairs. I never got that symbolism. I never got why nope. they did that. The director never filled us in on it, nor did he direct, uh, fill us in on how the outbreak began, which didn't, honestly does not bother me whatsoever. Right. 
because walking dead you know for the large part of it if you uh, you know if, i don't know if you stuck to the end and get it but a lot of times they're not explaining that of course so right i like that i like that in some shows that i've watched like i watch uh, i love the leftovers anyone who's heard this podcast i probably said the words the leftovers like four times and it's not even a a, a movie so forgive me but i love the show and what i love about it is that you know people disappear in that movie and they ne- are in that show and they never explain it and it right. because, because the show itself is not about where did they go and why did they go it's like a philosophy and what happens to the people below. And this movie is kind of the same thing. This is happening to them and what the, the interrelationship, uh, you know, amongst the characters is what makes this movie tick. Like right. it's, it's hard to advance the zombie genre. I agree with you. Like I haven't watched a lot of zombie stuff, especially because I think walking dead has been on for so long. And not only that, but they've been able to show you, various different forms you know and even outside of that like a movie like train to busan or something that was a big hit you know that's one another version of zombie so there's a lot of different versions you can seek out there this is kind of you know a very simple survival story version of this as opposed you know where you're you're just seeing people deal and and to be honest again we had this talk off air Zombie movies are very close to now how we felt about, especially the early stages of quarantine, um, where it was kind of like a subtle joke on the internet of like people thinking like zombies were going to come about these diseases because a lot of these things, the unknown diseases, it's always like it's going to be zombies, isn't it? Right. And when you add a, any, now that I'm a, a dad, but anytime you add a kid to the mix, yeah. I'm already on pins and needles. Yep. So the Zoe character, I kept thinking, oh, man, like, but it just added another layer of tension for me. Yeah. To see what happens to this little girl. So it, it, it was a just, a, to me, it was a, just a well-rounded film. Again, what stood out was the, the direction and just the way he shot the natural light, the fog. The only thing I did not like, and there's a scene where I couldn't see what was going on. Mm-hmm when they were trying to, when they're at the farm, when everyone was together yes, and they settled. Yeah. And just that whole scene, I had trouble keeping track of what was going on because it was shot like in pure darkness. It seemed like. Right. And which I think, you know, they tried to keep it as realistic with that as possible. And sometimes that is to the detriment of the viewer. So I totally get that. Um, but sometimes you just need to kind of, freak the audience out like what's happening feeling almost disoriented right it's exactly what the people in the movie are going through now did you stick around for the post credit scene i i went back because in my research they said oh and i didn't see the post credit scene coming and i was like excuse me what (laughs) especially because netflix as many people know if you're watching netflix a lot of times once it hits the credits they don't stay with the credits. They move on. They're like asking you if you want to watch the next thing or it'll auto play to something else. So I had no idea. Um, and, and these type of movies don't necessarily lend to that either. So uh, once I found out, I did go back and see the, the post credit sequence. So that's interesting. So for anybody who is going to check this movie out, stay to the end, ignore the, like stay on credits, do all that, ignore all the Netflix stuff. Yeah, stay to the end and just prepare to be confused. <laughs> yes. 
which is fine because again it it keeps going the thing that you didn't know a lot about the entire movie so it just Correct. adds one more layer to that Correct. um but for for if you don't want to take our word for it this movie also uh won best canadian film at the toronto international film festival in 2017 and was nominated for five Canadian movie awards, and it only won one of them for best makeup, which a lot of zombie movies do. Uh, But this movie definitely got praised up and down um, throughout the festival and in Canada itself and internationally. They said there's a lot of social and political issues that are almost especially Canadian here. So if you don't really latch on to those when you watch it and you're an American I feel your pain, um, but there are some social commentary here that is kind of universal that you can get into as well. Right. I, I did after the movie kind of like cheat and looked it up, see if I missed anything. And they yeah. talk about the, the rural, the rural and urban divide. And that's kind of what this movie is supposed to speak about. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't, maybe, yeah, like you said, I, we didn't get that connection, not being from that area in that part of the country. I yeah. just, it went way over my head. Yeah, and I guess there's also supposed to be some religious warring too uh, that is kind of at play here, but it's it's way it's either because I almost want to say it's way too subtle, but like they definitely have a religious overtone of one aspect of the film, but you don't really fully get it <laughs> or the significance of it or any of that. So um, I don't know if it's more on the nose if you live in Canada, but I think it doesn't take away from the movie fully to, to not dive in, but I'm sure if you maybe have, you're more dialed into that, then I'm sure maybe it did more for you, but I still found the very, uh, the movie's very simple, uh, good. Uh, it's simple. It's compelling. I didn't know whether the emotion was stripped because of, because of the conditions or because of the French aspect to it. Uh, I just know that uh, I thought the tone struck well, and, you know, because these are very defeated people in a small town trying to fend off something that, you know, you don't know. And, and we can all kind of relate to that right now. Right. Um, so thank you for let, uh, putting that one on my radar and having me watch that one. And the next one, because I want to keep on with the theme, uh, is another zombie film that has uh, an interesting story. Hashtag Alive, uh, which is a South Korean zombie film. Uh, that also plays like a survivalist movie and basically like we were saying too plays like a quarantine film Uh, it's i like kind of like by accident they stumbled onto something that is going to really resonate with people and uh it really did in south korea i remember reading an article about this movie before it came onto netflix that it was this big deal that netflix acquired the the u.s distribution rights for this because it was a massive massive movie in south korea it got it sold over a million tickets uh in the first five days of release and was number one at the box office for multiple weeks in a row uh it was super popular and obviously with the premise of the movie basically being you know zombie apocalypse where you're stuck inside in your small apartment you know trying to wait out in quarantine to try to see, you know, getting news reports, trying to to get all the information you can, but also just trying to survive and, and get enough supplies and everything else, which is a common kind of zombie product here. I could definitely see why this movie uh, latched on with people. Uh, it also stars 
I in you from 2018's burning, uh, which if anyone saw that movie, it was a big time critical success from South Korea uh, that I believe was up for the Palm door, you know, and it, it really is a quality film that a lot of like the, the major critics uh, were insane over. So I think that helped the movie as well. So it had a lot of things going for it. Netflix acquires it. And once you saw the movie, Shane, what did you think of this film? Was it worth the hype for you? Uh, Yeah, actually it was worth the hype. And you hit the nail on the head. When I first watched this movie, it felt like the most quarantine, quarantine movie I can watch (laughs) at this time. Uh Uh, And I liked the the, uh, main character in the story. Uh, And I kept thinking, man, what would I do in this situation? Like it was great i mean i like again i like the tension it built because he goes from like eh, not knowing what's going on then he's his internet goes away his wi-fi goes away he's running short on certain supplies like you said right you know and there's like a laughable part uh i guess 20 or 30 minutes in was like a day 20 i think it is yep <laughs> and he finally comes in contact with somebody else but she happens to be on the other street where they can't make it to each other yes so i just thought as a just like like you said, I'm going to echo everything you said. I like the pacing of this film because it is again another slower paced film. Yeah, but isn't um, long. Same deal. No, nope, same it's like deal. An hour and forty, hour and forty five, maybe. Yep. Uh, so, and again, they don't explain where the infection came from. Nope. It's just this one kid in his apartment by himself. You know, posting on social media that he's here. You know, yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I I really liked it. Now the end, like there's some gut punching moments in this movie for me especially towards the last third of the movie. Sure. But yeah, it was well worth the hype for me. I, I really liked it a lot. Yeah. It's interesting that social media gets to kind of be uh, part of a, the hero story of this, because I also watched the social dilemma on Netflix, <laughs> where if you want to say uh, something that scared the ever loving shit out of me, uh, that movie did uh, versus, you know, something like this, which is almost lighthearted in terms of its story. Uh, you know, the, the one, there is that dark part with an optimistic point in that day 20 that you brought up. Correct. I, mild spoiler here so if you don't want to hear this just hit the 15 to 30 second thing but he tries to hang himself on day 20 of the pandemic and i just kind of went amateur because like we've been in band you know pandemic lockdown like we were in that way for months uh and still kind of you know limiting our behavior at this point even in uh i'm in connecticut where we have one of the best averages you know as far as the the pandemic is knock on wood and anything else that you know we're able to do some things now to have a semblance of normal uh but yeah it's just like come on 20 days homes come on get out there you didn't even leave the apartment yet come on let's do this but i will say uh, a few things they do play for laughs here too that i thought the humor was good when it was used as well even some of the zombies are funny uh, which i found that to be interesting like they limited it to like one or two of them but man, right <laughs> some of the zombies are made me laugh out loud uh for how good they were there's uh some additional storylines here uh characters they meet later in the film but mostly it is kind of in the three-act structure the first act is kind of just him by himself for the most part then the s- second third is kind of like getting to know one person and then, you know, the end of the film is most of that, but then slight interactions 
with more zombies and and the chase to kind of for survival so you encounter some others but you know it's really a small small film a narrow film that just you know resonated with people and i will say the third the third act is what kind of nailed this movie for me oh yeah because they added another element of something you didn't expect really sure it's a it's a human moment but it's also terrifying correct and that kind of sealed the deal for me i mean i liked it up until that point but i was like okay they added that element of storytelling i really as horrifying as that was i enjoyed it yeah they definitely lean into more of the the zombie stuff and and also just the terrifying stuff more towards the end end of the film so if anyone is more into this for the zombie than the the character study or the survivalist story uh definitely hang on because it's worth the effort to get to the end uh but i agree with you this is a pretty good film uh you is compelling and grounded enough to follow he has to carry the largest part of the movie so uh good on them for getting a quality actor to pull that off it's worth the watch during this time of year especially uh, less on the horror aspect uh, as the zombie parts are few and far between, but still a worthy addition to the genre. Like I said, it's really hard to advance the zombie genre, but a lot of times your zombie movies these days kind of just add just this extra element to something that could have been a story. I think outside of that, if you right. didn't, if this was literally kind of mirroring ours where it's a, a disease, you know, this could have still been a film, but you know, the zombies just add that extra layer and kind of nuance to the, the danger and the particular parts of what they have to worry about. So it's definitely a good film and worth the effort. And uh, especially for a movie that has a hashtag in it, I am surprised I even hit play. Uh, but the fact that I knew this was coming and the buzz that came behind, I'm glad I, I hit play on that. And then we have uh, one more suggestion for you guys. Uh, this is a movie that when I brought this up to Shane, we both kind of said it together like, oh, we could probably pick this one. And then we both kind of picked this one. So we can call this a combined effort here for, for this one. It's Eli, uh, which is a movie that was produced uh, in part by Intrepid Pictures, which is owned by Trevor Macy and Mike Flanagan, who we keep bringing up Mike Flanagan. Uh, And the movie especially uh, makes an interesting Creepy Kids double feature with Before I Wake, uh, which is a movie we did that Shane recommended uh, in our Hidden Gems episode, if you want to go back and watch that. Um, But it's also an MTV Films production, which I was like, that's still a thing? Um, but uh, I guess it makes enough sense because this is also a uh, Paramount film and Paramount owns MTV and Viacom and all that. So it kind of makes sense. But I really was surprised by seeing that Moon Man uh, come through in the beginning of the film. Uh, the movie, the screenplay for the movie was on the 2015 blacklist. So for anyone who knows, that basically means that it is one of the best screenplays of the, that year that was sought after. Uh, so 2015 it was a hot commodity paramount scooped it up they made the film and then they were gonna set it for a theatrical release uh but they just didn't know how to market it they had no idea what to do with this film uh which is wild because you have flanagan's production company behind you you figure they could figure it out on some level uh but they did not and they ended up selling this film to netflix uh, and they had it as part of their arsenal 
uh, last year for part of their Netflix and chills thing. Uh, the story is a boy receiving treatment for his autoimmune disease disorder uh, discovers that the house he's living in isn't as safe as he thought. Um, basically, and it's not really a house. It kind of is the, the treatment center uh, that is for this disease that they think this person can cure him. Uh, it's kind of a clean room. So that way he can stop being a bubble boy and actually kind of go about the home and, and do that. But I, you know, a lot of horror tropes here. Uh, that's not always a negative, but you know, you definitely have the creepy kids aspect, the big old house that used to be abandoned aspect, uh, the rare medical condition aspect. Uh, basically, you can blame anything going on out of the ordinary on those things. So I think it's set up quite well. Uh, you obviously like this movie too, Shane. What did you enjoy about this movie when you saw it? Uh, well, the setting, one, um, the, the, like you said, the facility that this boy is being housed at. And it had enough mystery around this movie where it really kept you guessing on what is really going on. Yeah. And the relationship between the young boy's mom and dad is very compelling to watch because when I first watched, I'm like, okay, one parent is acting squirrely and the, the mom is, <laughs> yes. you know, kind of on board. And you're like, what is under the surface? Because, you know, they're not on the same page at all. Sure. Yeah, and it's just the creepy atmosphere, the tension, and then the ending, because it had me on board, because it had enough of those old-school tropes of, like, a haunted house movie right. going on, yeah. where it kept me in the game. Yeah. But then, again, this one with the third act, uh, it kind of, like, wow, okay. It, it just really sold this movie and put it way over the top. And I like Lily Taylor, uh, who's the – main person in the, the facility yeah, dr that, horn in this yeah scene. she's seeing under you know seeing his treatments and stuff like that so i uh, just the mystery of the movie in the setting is what it, and when you get introduced to the girl uh sadie sink who is uh, from stranger things right? from stranger things shows up yeah she has another layer of all right what <laughs> what is going on in this place so yeah just that haunted house element and then the end and then the acting and the relationship between the father and mother and just a kid uh, just really had me in this movie. It was the best of what I saw last year for that whole October Netflix and chills thing. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, and to your point, yeah, the jump scares are legit. Yeah, they're legit. Movie. And normally uh, I am not a fan of jump scares. Like if that's no. what you need to sell your movie, I can't stand it. But they use it sparingly and effectively enough where yeah. I was on board with it. Yeah, there's oh, I think the the movie works best when the paranoia is in play. I, you mentioned the third act. I think the third act is the difference between whether you like the movie or whether you love the movie. Correct. I, I think I only like it. I, I wasn't as thrilled with the third act uh, as you are. I like the twist. I like the explanation. Um, I'm on board, but some of it kind of changes the tone of the film. And I don't know if everybody was good with the, the change. So that's the only thing where I have a mild criticism of this film. But it's, like you said, it was definitely the best of the stuff that they put out uh, at the, at, in October for the Netflix and chills thing that they were trying to pull off for, for last year. But yeah, this movie, you touched on it. It is well casted. 
Uh, Lily Taylor is good as Dr. Horn because she has this look, right? Especially now that, you know, she, she's been a, a, a movie star, pro, you know, or a player, a good, great character actress since the 80s. Like, I, I remember her in Say Anything, I think. Maybe it was, like, one of the first films that I saw her in. Mystic Pizza, I think, was the first film I saw her in. Hey, and shot in Connecticut. So, yes. yeah, I will take that. Um, and But she has this look now, especially, that she can come across both very sweet and endearing, but also, I don't know if it's in the age, but she also has kind of aggressive features where right. she can flip on both. She has a very polarizing look to her depending on how you you light her or how you shoot her or whether she's smiling or not so uh that is definitely a well-casted role for that one uh kelly riley i also like for uh the the sugar sweet mother that is here she fits that look completely um i people may have seen her in sherlock holmes uh i believe she plays mary one of yep. the, the love interests in that um so she definitely fits the sweet mother who just wants to protect her child and she sells the twist very well so definitely like you said uh, a lot of good casting a lot of great performances here uh and the tone and the pace uh works for the, a large part of this film and you know you for as far as what we haven't covered in, on this podcast, it is definitely one of the more solid uh, horror films that you could watch. And for anyone who cares, uh, Larry Dwyer I have on here a lot of times from the Horror News Network uh, and the Connecticut Classics. He, when this was going on, I wasn't able to do an episode of it, but I was trying to do one last year with him because he raved about this movie. So if anyone with more horror clout you need to hear maybe uh, than myself. Uh, Larry is the horror guy in this area, uh, and he loved it. So if that means anything to anyone, there you go. <laughs> so that does it, guys. Like, I hope you get enough out of this episode. Uh, you know, a lot of things to look forward to that are new, uh, as well as the recommendations we have here. Any, any further thoughts on this one, Shane? Yeah, actually, I'm going to go back to our very beginning conversation when you okay. asked me like, who you think Netflix should acquire or at least talk to about putting content for horror Ah, uh, yes, the pin. Yes, I, yes, the pin. I have a couple that came to mind as this episode was going on. I may be in a minority in this one, but I like Lee Winnell. I think he does great work. He did the first, the first Saw movie. Okay. And then his second film he directed was Upgrade which was yes. one of my favorite films of 2018, I believe. And that's like a sci-fi slash horror film. Sure. So I would like stuff out of him or maybe an Andy Muscotti who did Mama and he did It's Chapter One. We're not going to talk about Chapter Two. But he did. <laughs> he did. But Ma uh, Mama was a really solid horror film. That was his uh, debut. And then he piggybacked that off of both It movies. So right. <clears throat> those two jumped to my mind right away. If they that's could get something call. from them, I, I would like to see that. Yeah, and I I don't have the director. Maybe you do off the top. One of the best genre films of this type of stuff that I saw was Overlord, 
And oh, I, I love that movie. And if the director of that wants to come on and make a Netflix movie, you could do anything you want, man. Oh my God, did I love that movie? Uh, I I feel so stupid for not having the director at the the tip of my tongue, but man, no, that uh, was one of my favorite films that came out that year because it caught me off guard. Like I had uh-huh. no idea where that movie was going, and I loved every single bit of it. And the director is Julius Avery. Okay, yeah, and man. Uh, I, like you said, somehow whenever I hear Upgrade, I also have Overlord because it came out around the same time. I knew they kind of pushed genre harder than a lot of people did and really went nuts, and I love it. It was like it was nuts without being schlocky, but it's so damn entertaining, and uh, I just – I want more of that. And so if Netflix is listening and they always are, um, (laughs) I hope that they, they hear that, you know, we need more of this. I hope they really get that. I'm on board. Same thing. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I think we gave the people what they needed here. So many options of things to watch uh, and definitely uh, check out media mosh. I'm sure you'll be covering a lot of cool stuff for October as well. Do you have anything uh, on the brain or is it a lot of this stuff uh, or any maybe streaming stuff that you're looking forward to? It's actually a lot of what we covered. To yeah. be quite honest with you, so <laughs> we'll probably be overlapping a lot of this stuff. That seems to be all the movie podcasts right now. So right, I exactly. Yeah. Uh, the next movie I'm going to personally cover is Love Guaranteed, which <laughs> yeah. is not my cup of tea for anyone who listens to me. Yep. But me and the VP watched that together, and that's going to be my next <laughs> review because I'm not a rom-com guy at all. Sure. But that's in the pipe. But other than that, no, everything we talked about was everything I'm going to be watching along with like the other streaming services, I always go to like stuff on Amazon prime and I always joke around because they have a bar up based on what you've watched. Yes. These are what, and God, if you looked at my screen, you're like, what <laughs> is wrong with you? Like I always kid around, like I'm gonna take a snapshot of that screen yeah. and just put it on social media. And I'm like, what is wrong with this guy? So it <laughs> give you a taste of like what I get into. So yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a good month. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. So yeah. And where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Podbean, Media Mosh, or simply just go to the Apple Podcast Store and download me, share me, and listen to me there. And where can we find you on socials so they can uh, follow? Oh, yeah, yeah. sorry. Go to Facebook, Media Mosh. Go to Instagram, Media Mosh, and go to the Twitterverse, at Shane Media Mosh. That's where you'll find my stuff. Excellent, man. Thanks for coming on, as always. Always bringing the heat, uh, you know. Even though we overlap, everybody check out the the double dip, uh, get the the conflicting views uh, and see, you know, because like like Shane said, this man is an animal. So maybe, uh, you know, he will enjoy some things that might be more reprehensible to me. So you never know. Uh, we have all these European crazies uh, that we have to watch this month. So thanks a lot for coming on, man. Oh, you're welcome. I always have a blast. Looking forward, look forward to it.